Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And today we're diving into our deepest desires, Bridget. My list is long. I don't know about yours, but (laughs) we have on Charlotte Fox Weber, who recently wrote a book called Tell Me What You Want. In the book, she talks about your 12 deepest desires. And some of those include to love and be loved, understanding, power, attention, freedom, to create, to belong. The list goes obviously through 12. But one of the things that stood out in my mind during the conversation was that A lot of us are afraid of failing, but we're also anxious about succeeding. And we don't talk about that a lot. Like as we reach a certain age, we don't really care about failing because it's just life experience. But there is still that little bit of anxiety of what if it works? Where do we go for, you know, and I just liken it to our personal experience because when we started this podcast, we had no idea that it was going to make such Mm -hmm. a mark and that we were going to draw the attention that we've drawn. And I'm so grateful for it. But I was a little anxious when we started really getting to the next level of podcasting. What about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is like that fear, you know, we're getting ready to have our October event, October 8th, and our uh, conversations with prime women. And definitely, it's exciting. I'm so happy and grateful that we get to do this. But there is a lot of anxiety involved with this as well. We also talk in the podcast about self-confidence versus self-esteem, which people can use interchangeably sometimes, but they are different. Uh, We talk about self, a lot of self, self self-sabotage. Yes. It's an interesting conversation, a little different than we normally do, but we wanted to make it a Friday bonus episode. And before we get started, we just want to remind you guys, if you could like and review this podcast, it makes the algorithm so very happy. And we get out to more midlife women. We would really appreciate it if you could just take a minute or two to post a review, hopefully positive, and uh, a five-star rating. It would be fabulous. And it would make our summer so... We are going to talk to Charlotte Fox Weber about our 12 deepest desires. We'll talk to you after. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, everybody. Today, we're really excited to talk to psychotherapist Charlotte Fox Weber, and she's the author of a book titled, Tell Me What You Want. So welcome to the show today. Thank you. So lovely to be here. You know, when I was looking at reading the book and reading about the different desires in there, and every one of the... uh, points that you had, there's good and there's things that maybe aren't so good about Mm. each of those. So, you know, I wanted to just talk, first of all, about desire. It's the most complicated source of conflict for human beings in every culture, at every point in history, at every age. It's fascinating that there's so many philosophers who want to resolve the issue as well, like either pro-desire or eliminate desire when actually it's never going to be resolved, but I don't think it needs to be. And I think this goes along with every one of the points too, that just like with desire, um, the good points that you want with something, well, it's what what society tells us. And you bring Mm -hmm. that up too, what you should and what you shouldn't want and, and what you feel like you should want, Mm -hmm. even, even though it's maybe not what you want. 
you know? and, yeah, and it's it's required for civilization. I mean, if we went around just acting on every desire, it, we would be savage. And so I think manners keeps us in check to a degree, but then it goes too far. We stop resonating with our own inner experience in a certain way. What I thought was really interesting was that the book outlines 12 deepest desires that you talk about. And at the end of, well, you kind of weave in your own stories of clients, but obviously you protect their names and and facts so that I think it's more relatable because you can kind of see yourself in some of your patients. But I Mm. also thought that with the 12 desires, depending on the age that I would have read that book, the emphasis on certain ones would be different. Like I couldn't say to you, what's the most important desire because it depends on the age. Did you find that when you were writing it? Absolutely. And I think it's really important to be able to, to revise your priorities and change your mind about what matters most. And it's somehow this big shock that what you really cared about at 21 is not what you really care about when you're 35 and I mean, in marriages and relationships of all sorts, it, it comes as this massive shock and kind of sense of betrayal that the priorities shift. And then there's completely. the outside voices that tell you you can't do it. Are mm. the people not only the voice, not voices in your head? It could be, it could be that too. But it's naysayers. But it's the stories, the stories you've told yourself, and and what education teaches us, and religion, and culture. And I think a lot of us feel deeply ashamed and kind of embarrassed by desire, not just behavior, but even having the thought. I think for some of our listeners too, desire at 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus is something we're not comfortable with. Not be, And I'm not talking sexual desire, but the desire to do the work for ourselves. We have put mm. everyone else first in our lives, whether it be a spouse, children, our career. Now all of a sudden we're hitting a an age where we're allowed to put ourselves first. And we're kind of saying, okay, we hear this a lot from listeners. I don't know what my desire is because mm. my desire isn't what it was when I was 20. And that was the last time I thought about myself. How do you do the work for someone who's saying, I, I'm, I'm okay now. I think I want to put myself first, but I don't know what my desires are. So I hear that a lot, and I think there's a lot of pressure to kind of have certainty and clarity, like to to figure it out and be goal-oriented, when actually it's really about ordinary observations of your own lived experience and curiosity and having a range of sources. So I think diversifying meaning is incredibly helpful, even if your desires aren't the same from when you were 25, you can go back to that time period and and see what's there. And it's a kind of constant work in progress. So it's not as if you have to kind of do a mind map where you end up having 100% clarity that you want one thing and one thing only. I mean, we expect that kind of resolution. And I think I think it's completely understandable to have conflicts as well, just internally to want one thing that's really clashing with something else you want. Expecting that inner tension, I think, allows for a wider approach. One of your chapters is understanding and trying Mm. to find just to be understood is is a big thing. And can you talk a little bit about understanding? 
I, I think we get very attached to the stories that we know, because even if we want to change, even when we spend a lot of money going to therapy, ostensibly to change, it's one step forward, one step back, because change is really daunting. And we revert to familiarity, even if it's just the familiarity of low self-esteem or self-loathing. Like that's my old frenemy in my head. And it's what I know best and feels truest. And I I think that resistance is also something that is completely ordinary and universal. And I mean, psychotherapists are are really hypocritical on this one because we think we've kind of done the work on ourselves, but I, we're all resistant and kind of playing games internally as well. So I think just being curious to let go of some definition, like let go of the idea that you are just a nice girl who makes people happy or whatever it is. I'm just kind of opening it up for for something new. Yeah. And I love, you know, you had in there the understanding when people will come to you sometimes, it's almost as if they want to feel like that somebody's in agreement with them. Uh, yes. Yes. Just and, I, They come to get confirmation that they are right. And it's so interesting just because I'll see that sometimes in things like when I've talked to people and then when they don't, when they're not agreed with, why don't you agree with front, me? Right. <laughs> yes. I was really aware of that over Christmas with my with my family, where I everyone was just kind of wanting to win points conversationally. It wasn't about just exploring and discovering. It was just knowing, knowing whatever the answer was. And it, it's very uncreative to get into that mode. And I think, I mean, I think it happens to most of us, but it's something to kind of be aware of so that it doesn't stagnate because it, it just gets very it gets very careful and, and it, that's tedious and tiring and and mm. then if you know sometimes you get caught up in it when you're around people that that's that that's the way the conversation's going or the situation yes. you become part of it as well and just trying to maybe step back and have the awareness I'm going into this again you know yeah, yeah. I I mean I I found myself just pontificating recently and I I was bothered that I was telling the same story in the same way and showing off some fact I knew and I I, I then just embraced a beginner's mindset and was a fool and it was much more interesting but kind of came next but it just means letting go a bit and yeah. kind of embarrassing yourself in in those small ways also with your book and again it's 12 deep it's just deepest desires. You talk about power, attention, freedom, and interpreting those desires at this age are very different. Like to win, that's one of your desires. And I think Mm. the definition of winning is so variable and personal to each person. And power, Mm. I like how you kind of went into power isn't having power over something. It's empowering yourself. Can you talk about those two things? Yes. I mean, I I don't like that women are only allowed to want empowerment, not power. I I think I've just said that grammatically incorrectly, but forgive me. <laughs> I I feel like it's more ladylike to say I, empowerment. Like it, it, it's kind of dignified and good for her that she wants to be empowered because it's modest and kind of less imposing on other people. And actually, 
women also want the other kind of power and not always for the right reasons, not always in the nicest ways. So I, I really like getting to the dark, gritty side of things and not just keeping it kind of lovely. But I think, again, that doesn't mean that you have to go and act on your aggressive fantasies of being a kind of dictator, but understanding that you have that fantasy opens up so much. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. I, I think we have agency when we are onto ourselves in those ways. So it's a breakthrough to realize that you want to be a dictator. <laughs> it, it is. Because I, it's, Bridget, do you want to like be a dictator? <laughs> no, I don't want to be a dictator. <laughs> oh, you have moments. You but you, have yes, moments. absolutely. Absolutely have moments. But it, it was, I, you know, in that chapter that was so interesting because it's so true. You know, in, I think just reading it in a book and you see this and you think, oh my gosh, you are right. Like, yeah, empowerment is so great. And, you know, that's great. But all of these, all of your chapters, it seems like if a man has that, it's like a quality. And if a woman yeah. has that, it's some kind it's of a damage. bit unsightly. Yes. yes. She's a bit much already. Like a woman who wants freedom and power. I mean, those are not in the traditional definition of a good woman. I find I find that when we've been starving ourselves and like emotionally and abandoning our sense of self, that's when fantasies get really extreme because it's almost as if we're coming up with theater to kind of offer hyperbolic versions of something. And if you if you feel really trapped in your life, you might fantasize about kind of running wild in total freedom. And the the extreme fantasies are really interesting to think about because it's always that kind of paradox where, again, it doesn't mean you have to abandon your family and run off and be in the jungle and just have total freedom. I, I don't think anyone is entirely free, but we've we've kind of shut down conversation and stopped ourselves from being realistic about desire to such a degree that we end up falling for these very idealized versions of what's possible. So there's a kind of belief in some absolute fulfillment. And I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. In incorporating the stories into the 12 desires, it seemed like several of the stories, the fantasies or the desires really were based on when they were younger, a foundational problem that people don't want to look at. And mm -hmm. How do you crack that code? How do you get someone to really look at? Because a lot of people say, oh, the past is the past. I don't want to delve into it. Mm. How do you get somebody to really kind of find that point where they need to reflect and be able to kind of have closure? I think that therapy is often what falls out of your pockets when you're in the session. And not just when it's in person, but online as well. That It's a really illuminating process in ways that are kind of unanticipated. So what brings someone to therapy is not necessarily what that person then discovers. And I think when you allow your mind to wander and you can go to awkward discussions and, and speak in a way that is, it's very strange in a certain way to kind of go to the here and now and to say how you feel 
talking to the therapist and and going both ways and just kind of shedding light on, I think it's the here and now aspect that is unlike most dynamics anywhere else. It it just ends up kind of confronting you with something. So I think I think that we don't need to look at desire so head on that it kind of resolves itself in a totally clear way, but it's kind of an ongoing process of discovery. So I, I, in a way, I think that once you're aware that it matters and that being expansive and open to life is an important thing, it, it's amazing how people just kind of come across something. Really, there's never a moment where you don't desire something as well. Like, even if you lose desire for one area of your life or you feel torpid and underwater and, and can't kind of describe your desire, like, it is part of being alive. So it's it's also just a life force. You mentioned ignoring desires come at a cost. What did you mean by that? I think that we, we narrow ourselves and it becomes a kind of half-life if you if you banish whatever seems inappropriate or wrong or taboo, like the, the dark stuff is actually creative and intriguing. And again, it doesn't mean you have to just take it all and act on it, but there's something there that's spontaneous and individual and personal. And there can be this incredible discovery of self-neglect. I think most of us go through that at different times in life, but this kind of realization that you've just been, when I say you, I obviously don't mean you personally, but <laughs> I, that you've been obeying and conforming and kind of going into some sleepwalking mode where you walk in the same way, the same place, and you have the same conversations. And it, it just gets so kind of stifling and uncreative. I think that we end up missing out on actually what matters most to us if if we're not thinking about desire. I don't see what could matter more in a way. Like what could give you a a more vital sense of yourself and thinking about these issues. It, it, and you know, you talk a lot about people pleasing in there as well, yeah. and that is something, especially women our age. Oh my goodness, oh, we've yeah. spent so much time people pleasing. That, like Colleen, you said earlier, somebody, do, they don't really know what they desire. But right. the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we want to just be wanted and in different ways. And and then when we're ignored, it's horrific as well. I mean, one of the horrors is also discovering that if you don't ask yourself what really matters and what you want, then you probably won't be asked and it won't be dealt with. Like, there's very rarely a trophy for sacrificing yourself and overlooking your needs. It, yes. It's not as if there's a kind of great reward for this self-neglect. If we're good, if we are obedient, then we will, what, get a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Yeah. And I then, then yeah. we're bitter and outraged when that really doesn't happen. Right. I, I finally have come to the conclusion I never want the word saint to ever be said before my name. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, and, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm probably a bit perverse about this, but back to your question about how desires emerge, it, it's often through opposites. So when people start saying how much they adore their husband or how they really do feel grateful, it, it's not that I, I don't think that they're lying. I mean, 
it sounds now I sound defensive, see how it works, but, (laughs) (laughs) but when it's kind of telling yourself off, like for how you should be operating and thinking and feeling, there's another side to it. So a part of you also hates your husband and that's, that's a way in it's, it's often through the opposite door and, and complaints and irritations are another one that are kind of smoke screens for some lurking desire, like being really annoyed and frustrated all the time. It's always concealing a bigger want. But I think a lot of us have an easier time complaining and being obstructed and blocked than actually pursuing something that would be exciting. You did change the names and the stories, but the uh, one in, in the book, Sing, is the, the mm. woman... And I loved the spelling and how it was, how you pronounced the singing like la 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 was her name. And, you know, I really felt for her because of what she, in this story, you can describe, I'll have you describe a little bit of it and how, but in the story, how her in-laws and what her husband felt she should mm. be doing. Yeah. I, I think, so Singh is a woman who is used to being a kind of outsider in some ways, wanting to be agreeable, wanting to be cooperative with secret fantasies of glory. And there's a kind of covert ego, which again, like we're, we're so shamed for having ego and told not to have ego and to kind of do away with thinking too highly of ourselves at the same time that we're supposedly supposed to value ourselves and have good self-esteem and confidence. And I think Singh is one of many, I've certainly done this, she works for someone who's an egomaniac and kind of smuggles in something that she isn't dealing with in herself by by serving a very ambitious, successful man. And I mean, have you you guys ever found yourselves in those situations? I certainly have. Again and again. (laughs) I'm, I'm not actually the humble servant that I think I am in those situations because there's something about about our own secret grand fantasies where we think again that if we're really good we'll somehow get to the glory and then it doesn't work out that way Mm -hmm. so thing thing is kind of ostracized for for actually being very driven and her name is mispronounced throughout and I, i think actually the name thing happens all the time where it's like I, we actually give away our names and I, the people pleasing is that extreme that it's sort of whatever you want me to be, I will be. And and then it doesn't actually feel real. Yes. You also yeah. mention, and I think this happens a lot to women in our demographic, that identity crises. And mm. you're like, you're having an identity crisis, but you say that's not necessarily a bad thing because it opens it's up possibilities. It is a great thing. I mean, having a complete breakdown can be excruciating and and unsafe, but it's a really ordinary part of development throughout life to to have identity changes. And I I think the problem is when we stagnate and kind of go into sheeple people mode and and don't face the identity crisis. Any change in your life, you're gonna have you're gonna have a kind of crack in what it means to be you, but it, it can be really disorienting. And yet it's completely essential for making space for something new. So yeah. I think we should lean into it and 
it's where the light comes in. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for coming on. We really appreciate it, guys. Make sure to check out the book. Tell me what you want. A therapist and her clients explore our deepest 12 desires. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You guys are fabulous. It's so nice talking with you. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte Fox Weber, for being on our show today and sharing uh, the stories from your book, Tell Me What You Want. A therapist and her clients explore our 12 deepest desires. And don't forget to check us out on all of our social medias. We're on uh, TikTok. We are on Instagram. We have a fabulous Facebook group. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, We are on Pinterest as well. Uh, YouTube, we have most of these videos are on YouTube. If the uh, person that we're interviewing agrees to it, then we put that on video as well. And also, please don't forget about our Conversations with Prime Women event, October 8th in Nashville at the Graduate Hotel, which is adorable. It is country music themed, lots of Dolly Parton themed, very just one of the cutest places I've ever seen in my life. Besides looking at Colleen's face on Zoom. Oh, um, you're good. You know, it's, the second, yes, it's the second cutest place I've oh, ever seen in my life. Um, it I'm going to post too. that little piece on every one of our <laughs> social media. Make sure you're checking that out. You can check out our website for that, conversationswithprimewomen.com, or you can go to Eventbrite to get tickets to it. And thank you so much for listening to us today. Have a great weekend, guys.